Hi, everyone. We bring you a special episode of the Ojai Talk of the Town podcast with Ojai Mayor Johnny Johnston, former city manager during a perilous time for the city in the 1970s, who is now retiring after serving two terms as mayor. We go into a lot of important discussion about the state of the city in the coming election. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Brett. <laughs> How you doing? Pretty good. Good. Oh, so thanks for, yeah, all things considered, as I append virtually every statement when people ask me. Yep. So, um, yeah, I thought I'd check in. It's been a while. I think it's been like you were one of the very first episodes. Now we're like well into the 30s. Really? Oh. Yeah. It's oh. Been, uh, Thanks for calling me early. <laughs> yeah, you're the first repeat guest. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that, too. Well, I figured the timing is propitious because you're finishing your second term as mayor and hanging up your spurs. And I thought, well, it's a good time maybe for an exit interview. So what's, uh, you know, first uh, tell us about you know, uh, your last four years, what that experience was like, and maybe uh, a little bit about your hopes for the next, uh, for the future. Well, the last uh, four years have been a, a mixed blessing, <laughs> mostly good. Uh, and uh, I've enjoyed, you know, getting involved once again with the city. And now I guess you could classify this as one one more thing before I go. Uh, but uh yeah, we. Uh, I I ran on a platform to try to get the city hall staff and the administration to be more welcoming to the public and to improve service levels. And I think with the uh, support of the city council, we've achieved that. We have a really outstanding uh, city administrator or city manager now. Uh, I think I can say that with some authority, having been the city manager here. <laughs> ben, about the. Uh, about actually, the same age I was too, about right? Six years God. younger. <laughs> Hard to believe, but uh, anyhow, you know, I I told him I thought he was the best the town had had, and he says, "You mean except for you?" And I said, "No, I mean including me." <laughs> yeah, including right. So who would know uh, we achieved that. Exactly. You know, we've opened the discussions with our neighbors uh, to deal with the drought problem, and we're blessed with a little better rainfall. Uh, so the reservoirs are, you know, holding or, and, and the groundwater is up. So that, yeah. yeah. And fingers crossed uh, for this rainy season, which uh, I don't see it starting anytime soon. I've been keeping yeah, an eye on talking about it. And yeah, I don't know how the weather pattern. And that usually means drier weather in Southern California. So, but, yeah, the colder, yeah, but, you know, colder we'll water. Keep our fingers crossed. Anyway, that I thought went reasonably well. Uh, I was really concerned, as you may recall, in my first run for the council about uh, the danger of forest fires, and we really had one. <laughs> we held the record for a very short period of time, yeah. which is too bad because the record has been broken several times. But the Thomas fire was uh, just you know, horrendous. Uh, although uh, it it. It was a wake-up call to everybody. Uh, I get pressure from some quarters to get the council to adopt a uh, severe fire map. And I say, well, why don't you just get out the Thomas and, <laughs> you know, uh, fire map? <laughs> if anybody can't figure out that that's a severe uh, fire zone, then they... Really, the, all the examples that you right. need are so, in recent memory. 
Yeah. We got to start yeah, handing right. out rakes, John. Well, actually, I, I have been that. I have actually followed that order. I happen to live on a part of the wildland interface and a, a you know wildland corridor down here off Creek Road, and uh, I go over and kind of clear the defensible space myself on my neighbor's property because it's more important to me than it is to them. Uh, but you know, I have cut it down yeah. and raked it. But uh, I think, you know, in fact, I've even done all the stuff they've asked or recommended we do to harden our houses and encouraging others to do the same. It's because that's really all we've got left to do. It's either pack up and get out, or it's you know, take care of your property and uh, try to make it fire yeah. resistant. You know, dual pane windows and you know the breather vents being uh, you know replaced and all that kind of thing can go a long ways to make us safer. And I'm happy to see a lot of people are doing that. The city has doubled, tripled the budget for removal of combustible materials around town to help fight fires. So that was good. Uh, what else did we talk about back then? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I was really, uh, you know, concerned yeah. with the fact we were getting in the habit of almost spot zoning, which is normally supposed to be considered not only frowned on, but illegal. Uh, but we hadn't revisited our general plan for over 30 years you know we just did a little here a little there uh so this years. past week we the city uh, with this full uh, unanimous support of the council launched the uh, you know comprehensive upper update which will take about two years which yeah, isn't uh, Ventura they County just finished? They just process? adopted theirs, and all of the territory surrounding our city is in the unincorporated county area. So we're a little bit behind. We were ready to go in March, but the day that we were going to launch the uh, update uh, was the day we had to declare the uh, pandemic emergency. So, uh, man, that. That, uh, yeah, so six months later, we're, we're back on the game, and really whoever did. we put on the city council will be part of the you know the group that's going to adopt this uh, whatever. Yeah, can you? Well, we'll talk about that. But also, I'm just can you break it down for us? What is the general plan? The different elements of it, how the, it works together, how the, how the process for that is. I, I yeah. as I rec I wasn't here in the '80s the last time, but. There, yeah, there yeah, were a lot I, I of public a, meetings, right? Wasn't there a lot yeah, of much a, public a input? As you I, I did a little video that's posted on the website, the city website, that you can go to, and it goes into some detail. But there are about eight elements that are required by the state of California, and a general plan, which is required by the state, uh, is a some people call it a blueprint. Some people call it a roadmap. Uh, they've even called it a constitution, and it's maybe a little bit of all that sort of thing. But what it is, is the future uh, guidelines and vision for the physical development of the community for the next 20 years. Uh, so, you know, it's an important document. It deals with things, not only land use, like zoning, but they yeah. get into things like traffic circulation, which is a problem for us, uh, you know, parking, uh environmental, uh, you know, concerns, uh, noise, uh, you know, you go down a list uh, open space. So anyway, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's all on that video for people who want to really, you know, understand what's, what we're, we're about. Yeah, I'll put that, I'll put that up in the notes. I think that's an important reference for people. Uh, it's a, um, right. yeah. everyone's a stakeholder. I mean, it's like going to affect all of us, not even people who don't live in the city, frankly, the decisions made at the yeah. city level, you know, oh, Ojai Valley is a, 
integral right. yeah absolutely unit. what we do affects them and, and what uh, they do affects us so we need to coordinate it and, and you know we have sort of in the past yeah. but we need to be sure we're you know one of the things that just popped up i don't know if people paid attention to it uh part of my message to the community is is you know that's never been easier to actually follow along you don't have to necessarily actively participate but with what we're learning being in isolation during the pandemic with zoom and all those different technical or technological uh, you know tools uh yeah we can have uh, stakeholders tools, meetings yeah. for everybody in the community basically uh you know can you know send in their questions or their opinions and concerns uh so uh what i use as an example the board of supervisors about three weeks ago i think adopted their final plan after like four years of work on it uh one of the things just before they were getting ready to adopt it that steve bennett caught uh, to our credit uh, uh, or to his credit and to our horror was that from 50 years back, <laughs> the uh, plan showed Creek Road to be turned into a four-lane highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, oh my goodness. What was the... Well, in those days, everything that? looked like a four-lane highway to people. It's just like the argument patterns. over you know, the Maricopa. The only reason that's four lanes is very, very old thinking. Uh, and they thought it would be a bypass to the city so that they take traffic off Ojai Avenue. But at what expense? They were going to run it down Creek Road and up through Lion Canyon. And uh, it didn't make any real economic sense. And it certainly isn't desirable. And nobody wanted it now. But that was one of the things the consultants who were revising yeah. the plan, they didn't know anything about the local territory. They depended upon all of us to speak up. And if we don't. Yeah. Well, that's right. a good catch, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, are there now as the process goes forward, are there any things we should be looking out for any input that you want to to draw people's attention to or, you know, what what uh, should we be wary or? Yeah. I was going to say two camps, but that sounds somewhat combative. Maybe, maybe it describes it, but there are two views of yeah. this. One is sort of the uh, commercial enterprise view, which is, you know, how can we, uh, you know, gin up more and more and more, you know, because that's what makes profits volume. Uh, and then maybe the more stick in the mud that they call people like me who say, you know, the reason people like coming here is what we were and what we're trying to stay, which is a, an, an anachronism almost uh, of a quiet little yeah. authentic community where you can go and relax. Uh, and so. Well, anachronistic yeah. in Southern California, for sure, with all the fingers yeah. of sprawl going everywhere. It's really sad what's happened. I don't know what's what uh, I'm I'm more leaning towards the commerce side because I'm in business and I see how a thriving business community supports a lot of the so, the so, social infrastructure ways people don't even really yeah think exactly about. balance but there is a balance I mean yeah. this this is a product this beautiful community is our it's you know, our brand it's why, why people want and want to come here if you are careful. You know, yeah. we can balance the two and everybody wins. Maybe not as big in the short term, but in the long term, everybody wins. So everybody participating in the update is going to be important. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, what was that? Uh, Eldo Leopold. What was that? Growth at any cost is the ideology of the cancer cell. <laughs> I think about that a lot when I see some of these 
think about some of these projects that you know that yeah. well like when you were city manager they were a number number of threats freeways uranium mines gypsum mines you must have felt I like was, you were and right i came out of the thick of it from down in la only i'd even seen all the urban social ills on top of it i started my career in compton where there was all their problems and then watched uh, the urban or the uh, sort of rural artesia dairy country where i managed for a while turned into the suburbs uh, you know the largest indoor air conditioned shopping center in the world was built a block and a half from where i live you know and in those days wow. that was considered desirable uh but as somebody once said you know be careful what you measure and be careful what you aim at because you might hit it you know and uh, so uh that's kind of what i hope everybody will participate and between the you know the, the usual friction of ohio yeah. we'll get a good product I think so. I have faith in the community. I just imagine how there wouldn't be anything left if those uh, projects had, had gone in. There, the tourism, tourism to me is a perfect industry because it depends on charm and uh, you know the natural beauty and everything else that that you want to preserve. People come here, they spend their money, and then they go home. It's, it doesn't get any better than that. But I do wonder, like, what is the big solutions for uh, population growth and especially Southern California? I feel like it's kind of shifting the other way. The people with resources are getting out of the cities and into the rural areas. And we have seen quite a, I think Eric Wilder had some conversation. There's been, like he said, he could have turned over the whole town and over the last you know, six or seven months, and we've got three or yeah, four hundred right. new residents. Well, real estate, something like that, about three or four times people the, come, you know, the people who aren't on our local economy and come out of a you know the high-powered LA economy or Santa Monica, or what have you. Uh, they look at this, and it, it, to them, you know, it's paradise to us, but it's really more than that to them uh, and they don't realize that well they do as soon as they get here they realize it's under you know under threat of being oversubscribed but they come here and they think they think that the product is cheap by comparison to where they come from and they drive the prices up and then you get into the whole availability and affordability of housing and uh, and the right. inequality and, and all would, those issues that go along with it. Yeah, and and how people also, you know, need yeah, to play, people need a place to stay. So there are those who really push for the STR thing, and they don't look at the big picture. They just look at the, well, how how can this hurt anything? This me renting a room or a house for a short period or for a week, but you put it all together, yeah. and you don't have housing for the local workforce. The prices are all go up, and people from out of town pay too much for the property, and so then they have to rent it out when they're not using it and we have you know what explains our we haven't torn any houses or structures down to speak of in town and yet our population is shrunk so we should have extra housing but we don't because the reason why our population is shrunk is not everybody who owns a house here lives here year-round uh it's so that's True. And also uh, the people, you know, the family of five with the kids and the local schools, they cashed out their equity and moved to Arizona or Oregon or wherever. And then, uh, you know, can live off the difference between the housing prices. So then you get, I think that's true. You summarize nicely. Okay. What else should we talk about? I wonder, um, 
well, it was just, you know, we got an election coming up and there's a lot of, a lot of names and issues on the ballots. And I thought, well, maybe you could give us a rundown, your take on this. Now, um, just for background, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the city's districts, this will be the first election in which people will be voting, uh, you know, for the city elections by district and for the school board by district, which I think is going to be very confusing for a lot of people who's district they're in and so forth. And then they get their ballots and they may or may not know any of these people or what, what they're all about. And it seems difficult to, you know, there should be more retail politicking going on in Ohio. What I feel the, it's difficult to do the door knocking and stuff. Now, well, I think maybe, I don't know. What is, what is yeah, your maybe for election cycle? The door what's going on? easier because there are fewer doors to knock on in a district. Uh, you know, we're, we're the victim of a state law that it was enacted to try to provide uh, you know, more equity and social justice for uh, various groups. And in Los Angeles, it makes sense because people yeah. were, you know, you should excuse the expression, but ghettoized. They were either voluntarily or forced to live in certain areas, and then they had no political power. So the state enacted a law uh, to say you have to, you can't, you look at the demographics and you divide up. Well, they didn't have in mind a town that's only four square miles like Ojai, uh, with only, you know, with like 7,000 people living in it. And so, uh, some enterprising and I think unscrupulous lawyer decided to just, uh, when he ran out of big fish to that yeah. really needed, yeah, legitimate targets, legitimate targets. Like Ohio. And the trouble is, is that the courts have ruled the law is the law and the law didn't provide for places like Ohio. Uh, and so, you know, places like Palmdale, tried to fight it, spent $6 million, lost. And so like Ojai, where $6 million is hurt pretty much our annual general fund budget, we said, we can't fight this. Uh, so yeah. we had to concede. You know, we haven't conceded entirely. We just districted until the courts maybe and the legislature catch up with the reality. But uh, yeah, how did the district okay. get established? Like what was that? I don't, I really okay, don't the, know. How. I, I know I, there's whatever, uh, 5,500 registered voters. No, they, they, don't, even do, they don't even do it by voters. They do it by pieces. population, you know, gross population. And there are five seats on the council, and the mayoral position is at large. So that means you're going to divide the pie into four pieces. And they had to come up with uh, – the demographer came in and said, okay, uh, to get equal uh, population in each of the districts, this is – you know, I think they gave maybe – three uh, different uh, cuts on the map uh, with very little difference. But because four of the five members of the council <laughs> live pretty close to Ventura Street in the center of town, which should be considered to be a, a plus, uh, it, was a, it, it was a problem for dividing the town. Yeah. Uh, so it was, I won't say it was arbitrary, but they attempted to do it the first go round so that all the incumbents, uh, you know, had a separate district and that's created. Right. Yeah. Based on and their so, current residents. So, and the, just, then the person. Who's yeah. Up, it's right, the person whose term is up. Unnatural. First, uh, is uh, Susan Francina's. And she's in district four. So the only pe the people who get to vote for council this time are people who live in district four, like me. That's mostly people south of Ojai Avenue where it's the largest land area, but the thinnest yeah. population because of golf courses and open space. 
Uh, yeah, right. So, and you like know, it's, it's, park it's absurd that we're stuck with it. And the thing that is damaging about it is you really don't want to elect in a town that's only four square miles, uh, you know, four different uh, representatives who have their tribe or their one little section of town that they represent. They, we really need to look at the whole town because we're not big enough to divide it up uh, as a practical matter. Yeah, and it didn't seem, to, at least this go-around, the goal of minority yeah, it wasn't even an issue. It never has been an uh, issue. It ain't happening. You know, the, uh, in fact, we can't get anybody minority yeah. or majority most of the time to be willing to go in the barrel and serve on the council. You know, we had four seats up and only yeah, one competition. It's a big last, ask. You know, I'm afraid that the people who are most eager <laughs> not to the ones get you want. on the council are often the people who <laughs> probably shouldn't be on the council. Yeah, gadflies and yeah, so, troublemakers and single issue candidates or yeah well i know when i was in kern county or in kernville the board of supervisors districts were like spokes on a wheel because they all five of them lived in bakersfield which is the only you know major city aside from ridgecrest which is you know it's a weird county to begin with so you yeah. know they they would radiate outward yeah. to take in like a pie and, uh, you know, one candidate that got on the Board of Supervisors from Ridgecrest when when I was there it was a, a big, big deal, you know, to have somebody yeah. from, you know, the China Lake Naval Weapons Center uh, on the council. And, of course, so much of, you know, so many important issues that go along with that. But I just don't see how that's going to work. It yeah. seems well, like they're, they're opportunities yeah, but for mischief. Even if it's not mischief, it's got, just a... a it uh, like you say it confuses people uh you know one count candidate saying that the you know for the fourth district saying my neighborhood didn't feel represented well you have been by five people on the council and i don't know of any part of town you know that didn't get attention <laughs> it may be neglected but they were equally neglected <laughs> yeah Right. Yeah, the, uh, but the virtues the take of small from scale. This that I would hope that the voters would realize is because this is really not practical, logical, and in many ways it's not it's not sensible. Uh, they should vote, even though they the candidates will come from our portion of the town. We should vote as though they are at large representing everybody, because without that, it's going to just fragment at the policy decisions, and they don't need to be fragmented any more than they are. So what else we got that you would like? Yeah. Uh, oh, you got well, you got Measure K, uh, the bond issue for the school district. And how much is that? Mm, to me, it's like 45. Yeah, approximately. 45. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, it's in the 40s. Uh, and, you know, there's there are two points of view on that. One is, is bonds, when you sell bonds, you're borrowing money and you have to pay it back. Of course, right now, interest rates are low, so that's a po positive thing. But but you have to pay it yeah, out of your current revenues, which are suffering. Uh, so, you know, there are people who say, you know, this wasn't well thought through and, you know, that this district has too many facilities that uh, – population or the enrollment shrinking why should we do this but shouldn't those be assets that they can use to, uh, to fund uh, paying it back 
I'm thinking specifically. Well, they, they, the, they, have, you know, you know, they have tried to do seems it. Seems like it should be primary. You know, getting land leases or becoming a landlord has not worked out very well. They've been trying on the Ohio Elementary School downtown ever since I've been been here 50 years. You know, but it's not easy. So, so that's a, a different part of it. Yeah. But you know, there's no question that the facilities are suffering. Uh, and then people will say, well, yeah, that's because you don't take care of your property. Well, yeah, and if you don't have money, you can't take care of your property. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's so a, that, it's a there is a, vicious you know, cycle. There's a bright spot for the school district that the propositions uh, on the state ballot, uh, 15 and 19, both that uh, affect Proposition 13 tax law, uh, uh, 15 is to split the role and say that commercial properties uh, – should not have the same, uh, you know, longevity and off the tax rolls uh, that a resident should right, be paying yeah. the same taxes. Uh, they and were and back the, in the argument 70s there is, is that as a single things. family or a residential property should still have that to keep the cost of having a place to live down. But for commercial properties that are worth more than $3 million, uh, they should have to be reassessed and pay their share of all of the services that are provided. And uh, some of those services are schools. So there would be a revenue increase for schools and for the city who needs it after this pandemic hit us. You know, we had a reserve that was under, we were under reserve, but we were doing better than most towns trying to save money. And it, I think over 10 years, they had about, I don't know, $330 million in the bank. Uh, and uh, is that right? No, not 300. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, I wish we'd had that. Though. Sounds like a three, lot. Three and a half three million. Three million. Yeah. Set aside in our annual yeah, our annual budget like is roughly 40% around 40% of the budget or 30%. Uh, so we had it, and after 10 years, they that's what they managed to save up. And during the pandemic, in six uh, months, uh, it's been drained uh, two-thirds. It's down to, you know, a million, ten, million, twenty. Yeah, and right. that's because yeah. of uh, shut down. tax and, and so, sales tax. You know, oh, we okay. should have at least $5 million in the bank uh at all times because fires and earthquakes, all that sort of thing are going to really give us a hit. Uh, so uh, things like prop 15 would be helpful yeah. to the city, be helpful to the school districts. Uh, and in a lot of ways it's, it's fair because if you're a big corporation, you own the property and you hold it and you never change it. And the corporation continues to have title to it. So you keep your tax bill forever, you know, just about with a, what a 2% annual increase. Then there's the, the yeah. prop 19, which is a little bit of a mixed bag, but uh, overall, the legislative analyst says that in the at least in the short run, there will be additional money available to the schools and local government, uh, and that is by uh, you know what they're doing is is they're saying if you get have to move from your house because of a fire or because of your handicap or health problem, uh, you can take your uh, tax base with you. You don't have to immediately have it bounced up, you know, in regards to where you go. Uh, yeah. And then also, if you, uh, yeah, you cannot transfer yeah, the, 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 to heirs. Unless they, the, you, you can transfer it to the heirs if you're farming the property or you live on it as your primary residence. But you can't just leave it to your estate and let them uh, rent it out or, you know, sell it. Uh, yeah, windfall. Uh and, yeah, uh, you know, windfall. It, it, I know people, there's different points of view on that, but if those things pass, they will help the school district. Uh, 
then we have uh, yeah, well, and the city uh, yeah, and the city to the same degree, but that none that would be benefit. And then we get to measure G, uh, which is local, uh, and three uh, percent tax and on the uh, marijuana, and everybody tax. else around has got that or more. And uh, that money could be used to, you know, replenish the emergency reserve that I just mentioned that is sorely lacking in funds. Oh, there's estimates. Yeah, how much half would that million, I guess, to half a million, to a million and a half. I don't think they know. It all depends on the competition locally. You know, like Port Wainami is already up yeah. and running. Oxnard's getting ready to open up, a, I don't know, half a dozen dispensaries and what have you. So everybody will be in competition. But as long as we keep ours below and most people come here on vacation, yeah. you know, uh, that, that seems like, you know, it should not materially affect the market. Uh-huh. Some people say, yeah. Yeah, I was a little, you know, like uh, it's like in a social experiment when we open those places. And I was like dubious, not that, you know, generally libertarian point of view on marijuana use. But I thought, well, there might be some bad consequences and we don't know. I think uh, oh, yeah. the yeah, owners been have been very problem. responsible and uh, reception has been good and it's been good for tourism. I know people from Santa Barbara and. Los Angeles, even who will plan a trip around their weed buying just to, and, and then uh, and they might uh, eat little the munchies, yeah. or something at the, at the restaurants. Yeah. So it's like got some trickle down, trickle down effects. So I think that that passed. I remember uh, my girlfriend's uh, a doctor, and her brother is an emergency room doctor, and he was certain that it was going to call. You know, kids are going to get onto it, and it was going to have. You know, we, the dosing with edibles and so forth was going to create problems. But even he had to admit yeah, that still have problems, but it's not what like he had what feared, he I think, is like, uh, yeah. I mean, when you balance people's like right. personal freedom, law enforcement side, costs, and everything else, pandemic, yeah, it didn't deter the. Uh, the, the that yeah, was the I, one. I, yeah, I that was one, my, one growth area. Walk a day, and one of the, my routes goes through the Bryant Circle area where the three dispensaries are. And I noticed seven days a week there was always a little traffic running, even when the rest of the town was dead. So you know, every everything has its you know its price. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that was more than needed. Okay, more than you know, now, these there's last a county seven measure. Months. I think it's a measure. Been oh, tough. Uh, that's on there you know, for unincorporated territory to allow up to something like 500 acres of uh, cannabis to be grown. Uh, and, uh, you know, for us. All over, like split up over the county, uh, going to be uh, one 500 acre operation? Or no, I think it's no, nothing, or? nothing larger than that. Although I'm not sure of that, but let's forget about whether it's 500 for everybody or just or 500 per neighborhood uh we in the ojai valley have a very uh you know limited air shed and uh, we know there are at least two or three people who have been growing hemp and uh and hemp has a rather pungent odor too uh and then we have everybody who's you know maybe not following the regulations for keeping their pot inside that they're growing i know down where i live i when i go on my walks and you know every once in a while yeah. i feel like i almost get knocked over with the skunk smell so i that's not good that's not good for a tourist economy better to sell uh-huh. it but if, to grow it uh, in a limited air shed is seems to me a re- recipe for disaster 
Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, Carpenteria. like uh, Carpinteria. Like, uh, remember the headmaster at Kate's school was really opposed to that because you got your parents come for the day students, you got your boarders up there, and you can, oh, yeah. from well, the campus at Kate's school, you can smell amazing, the you know? marijuana yeah, they operations. They really tried what they can do to try to control it, but, and even though it's in greenhouses in some cases, the odor just, so anyway, we don't, I don't think we need that, and I would hope that we would... Yeah, uh, you know, at least our area would say no and hope the rest of the county can go along. But if the, you know, if it gets approved in the county, we'll have our share to deal with. So, okay, that pretty much takes care of the general local. Issue. Yeah. So, well, what about, uh, yeah, the mayor's race? You got any thoughts on that? I mean, I'll tell you straight up, I was opposed to the whole directly elected mayor thing. I didn't, well, <laughs> you may have been but right. I, I, I'm I really must... not. I don't feel like yeah, it's, I, you, I'm you fine with it. Right. A lot of people had an objection but, to it. And uh, I thought, that, you know, what harm does it do? Uh, it's only for two years. But I must tell you, in this upcoming election, I'm in a, or was in a quandary. I made a decision. But my quandary is that when a, uh, a seated member of the council in an unexpired term has two years to run on their office uh, and would like to run as is as the case now i'm retiring so there's an opening and so when there's an opening you know yeah people sign up for it. well it doesn't require special a special election. election initially but if that person in this case bill wyrick gets elected uh then it, before he can be sworn in it's required that he resign his seat and when his seat is resigned we immediately have a vacancy and the election is over uh, you know, long since over, and there's only two ways to fill the vacancy. One is by special election. Expensive. It costs thirty, forty thousand. That's expensive for a town like ours. Uh, and during a pandemic, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The alternative yeah. is is for the council to decide to bypass the voters and pick somebody they like. And uh, frankly, I think that there, you talk about an opportunity for mischief, uh, special interest will have a whole lot more influence over the decision than a general election. Or of three people right. rather than yeah. the so, entire population. So based on your, your assessment of the current council without getting into you know, personalities or anything, what do you think they'd be more likely to do? You think they'd be more likely to call for a special election well, or to appoint someone? I think they would both be the, both inclined, and it would be the fiscally responsible thing to uh, appoint somebody, uh, unless we wanted to spend the money. Uh, you know, now I guess I would uh, argue if we somehow, you know, I understand we're going to get a little bit of money from the. Uh, covid fund of the county you know that could pay for the election uh but the fact is is you're going to be spending money that we don't really have uh and that we need to keep in the bank and this whoever they appoint to if they decided to appoint someone would that person have to come no. from Bill I don't Wyrick's think no not this district, district. Uh, yeah, district if, in the future it will so but how, i think the opinion from the county uh, from the uh, city uh, attorney is that uh, this particular go around that that's not required. It's just for the balance of the existing term, which is an at-large position. You know, it's the tail end of an at-large election. You know what that means? <laughs> you know, that the that Bill was elected yeah. to four years at-large. So his, his uh, uh, the person to replace him could be... Uh, 
so it won't be for till the to the two years till the expiration of his term. Then it will have to well, go no, to uh, then at the, uh, in two in. years. Then it would be up for election, and it would be a four-year term for the, whatever the district map shows at that point. So, but the, but it would be the district map. No, from well, his it may or may vacancy, not be right. Isn't okay. The, the, or, we have a map. I don't now. understand. Now I'm getting confused, uh, and that's the one we're voting on. By we got a, a, a census is coming in. Uh, yeah. shortly before the next election, we will have a new, uh, you know, demographic and we will redraw, or we, I'm, <laughs> I can let go. I'm not on the council. I won't be on the council. Uh, but the council will then adopt a new map based on the new demographics. Those borders could be, you know, that's where gerrymandering potentially at the legislature happens. But uh, let's forget gerrymandering. You just have a new map and the new map, whatever the district is in this case, I don't know what the, I think that's district one maybe, but it'll be up and it'll be a four-year term and it'll, you know, the person will have to live there. Uh, so if the person who's appointed to the seat doesn't live in the new district, well, they got to run, uh, they can't run unless their district is open, you know, but there will be three seats open next time. So that's really not the issue. Yeah, this is, uh, this, you know, this whole, the complications that ensued from this, not just the district, uh, which is bad enough, but they having at large mayor elections and all the rest of that. I just, well, it's getting too complicated for, just the everyday person. So the people who benefit uh, yeah. are the ones insider that, trading. Uh, you know, are, I don't even know how to. Yeah, it's you know, it's like a not. I don't shouldn't cast shade on the city in the, in this way, but Bell and Vernon are a couple examples of what happens when people are not able to pay attention, and you have uh, you know strong mayor situations and. You know, without the the city manager, which is a you know Hiram Johnson, that was a legacy of uh, Hiram Johnson's uh, term as governor of California, progressive governor, whenever that was, like nineteen ten or something. So, and then also the propositions came out of that too. So now, yeah, so um, it's all everything starts with good intentions, and I think those those reforms that they put in one hundred and 10 or 15 years ago actually have, have stood up pretty well. So, and there's a lot of, you know, uh, but it's been, it's, it fascinates me how people from so long ago have been able to put in place the basic structures of how we go about our business today. Well, you're not thinking though, in a way so that much of the electoral college, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't good. No, that's even worse. That's a whole uh, ball of wax there. That it wasn't good then. Even then, they knew it was just it was was slave power. That was slave power determined the electoral college. Kind of, yeah, the three fifths uh, proportional representation for people uh, slaves who didn't have the right to vote, and yet their their numbers counted. sixty percent of their numbers counted. The way oof. in which they the electoral college works is to sort of it was a compromise between large population states and small population states. Now we have thirty seven, I think, of the uh, states uh, have a, po- a total population of what California has. Yeah. We have two votes, and they have how many? You know, so. 
Well, proportionally, Wyoming has their each senator has 30 times or the California senators have 30 times more people representing than than Wyoming. 30 times, 40 million people in California. So 20 million each in Wyoming. It's what, about 600,000, yeah, maybe not even 600,000 well, people. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, was, I was just pointing out that not everything they thought up a long time ago has worked out. You know, it needs to be revised, just like our general plan. And so, yeah. you know, again, the quandary I was in is this whole thing that we are creating an unnecessary vacancy by happenstance by having a sitting member of the council within two years to go on the term have to you know, create a vacancy. And then we're stuck with this uncertainty that we're, you know, as I say, mischief is possible. Maybe it won't happen. But um, anyway, those are my thoughts on the mayoral race. Uh, yeah, but something we got to gotta keep yeah. an eye on that. Yeah, but I just wonder, uh, mayor is largely ceremonial right. position. It basically runs. Well, yeah, runs. You're more and right. then, like, what? Yeah. I mean, why? Why would it have been so? Um, you know, why? Why would it be such a desirable position? For <laughs> well, just I guess it has to be equal, probably vote. ego. You know, for title. Uh, you know, the on, honorary title. Uh, you, you don't have any yeah. more authority, as uh, I was. My colleagues have told me from the day I walked in, you're only one out of five votes. We all are equally important, you know. Uh, and by the way, even the setting the agenda, we can outvote you on the setting the agenda too. And they went down the list. I said, so I get to kiss babies and, you know, cut ribbons? And they said, yeah, unless uh, unless we want to do that yeah. too. And on some occasions I would arrive for the ceremony and one of my colleagues would have beat me to it and would have <laughs> took the honors himself. So, so there's virtually no real special then, benefit uh, to it. Uh, in fact, in in some ways, if you're uh, legislatively oriented, uh, being a member of the council is more powerful than the mayor because one, you get a four-year term, and two, you can make the motion and and debate the issues more freely. The uh, protocols for the chairman, in fact, under Robert's rules, the the chair is not supposed to make motions at all, uh, but the uh, they under the our system of protocol, yeah. the mayor can make a motion, but he needs to wait until everybody else has had their chance to make a motion, uh, and after everybody else has had a chance to talk, and so it it being mayor has a lot more to do with you know temperament and uh, the ability to moderate rather than to you know go into the barroom brawl. And yeah, that's and not some a, people uh, have skills that are different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you you have a long experience, and yeah, it's going to be interesting. What do you think would be? Uh, would you like to see maybe reforms well, I would at like the local to level? Just keep an eye regard? on the, the the law, and maybe even get the see if we could get the legislature to reconsider towns, say less than ten thousand people and smaller than five square miles or something, which would be us that could go back to the at-large, I think that would be better for the community because if you've ever canvassed the the town and gone door-to-door, our minority population or the different, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call them ethnic groups or whatever, are fairly well sprinkled around the town. They're not in one place. Yeah. So... So, so getting back yeah, to that large they're not, vote, they're not clustered thing, up. I think for the benefit show. of the community and the policy making of the council, and then I think uh, I think two years uh, in a small town 
if it stays by district, there's no reason why uh, the members of the council shouldn't be on two-year terms themselves right along with the mayor. That would solve this whole vacancy issue uh, if everybody, you know, would be up and out. Yeah, yeah, there wouldn't be any overlap. Where there'd be free ride, you know, yeah. would, you know, it's winter, go home, you know, and then I think. Oh, that, that I like that. That makes is sense. Not a bad thing to have, you know, for your, if if the mayor's to mean anything. Oh, well, yeah. What about minority representation? Now, what? Are, what's? The, how do you? How do we solve that? Is that? Uh, you know, the, like getting uh, Hispanics. I'm mostly talking about because they're. Well, you 20% know, percent school age uh, population. Well, Severo, uh, got I think elected. it's like over thirty percent. We voted for him for council, and I ended up running against him for mayor twice. Uh, but he, he, there was an open seat. He could have run for council and would have been a shoe in. Uh, I don't think that's the issue. I think the the, the problem is much more yeah. uh, age and and uh, income. Uh, when you're younger, uh, you don't have the same you know, investment, involvement, uh, and voting and running for office generally. So we don't, yeah. And then when you're sort of, you're you know, busy you're not, just not getting by in between right now, you can be 18, but let's say when you're, by the time you're in your thirties, you're trying to support a family and trying to be sure that, you know, there's food on the table, the rent's paid. You don't really need to go down for a food fight at the city council meetings every other Tuesday. And so they kind of stay away. Uh, and yeah. if you are, you know, like a day uh, labor sort of job, uh, it's pretty tough to, you know, with not a lot of, yeah, you know, well, you have to have time and to, to do this. And Get so a day off. They say, why would I want to do that? You know, you know, Severo was willing to do it and I guess was in a position he could have done it. Uh, but in the just, uh, Hispanic community, uh, I suspect that, I mean, they can run and they probably would do quite well particularly by district now but the only trouble with the district is is that yeah. it hasn't concentrated any particular group so it may have diluted the vote for the minorities which is the opposite of what it was designed to do yeah so anyway what uh, it's intent you know, yeah i'm afraid so well i like that um or i like the idea of coinciding Coinciding <laughs> right. two-year terms. If it's good enough for the mayor, it's good enough for the rest of the council, or even well, maybe even a four-year. Term. You mean about the mayor for four? I could, I could go back yeah, and forth. I, well, and, I, you know. I would go along with those that are a little bit yeah. concerned, and <laughs> maybe they're concerned about people like me. But it really, if you have the mayor who's the ceremonial kind of the ambassador for the town, there are a certain set of skills that you hope to have and in the day of just passing it around the table the way most cities do it you know the every member of the council goes through the chairs and becomes mayor it's for one year if they don't do so well no one no no harm but if you elect somebody for four years and they turn out not to be what you thought they would be or they get the, they get a little power crazy because some mayors like yeah true and other stuck with them yeah would use the office uh to you know not do things in the public interest. So it's, I think, you know, it's, yeah, it, 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 if we stay in this, enrich themselves a little feather. It's a, still a burden for the mayor because he's got to run at large, but it's, it should be a, you know, piece of cake for uh, people running within the district. You have what, a total of thousand votes and so maybe 800 will turn out. You can do that walking around with a, you know, a mimeograph sheet and talk to everybody and it wouldn't cost anything, you know, so. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. Retail, very much, uh, ward healing kind of, you know, door knocking, but it's like, uh, it, what if there's like six, seven yeah, yeah, people running happen, for one I of those don't districts? Think much danger people elected to the council with less than 200 yeah, votes. Look, look, we had four, we had four seats. We ended up with nobody. Except uh, much me. danger I mean, of six or seven you know, people uh, running in district, yeah, as competitors. The rest of them just walked in, uh, and they say, why? There was even an open seat. Paul had retired. And then it turns out that he's replaced by his son, you know, <laughs> which, you know, and Ryan does a you know, good job. But uh, I don't, it, it, yeah. it's hard to find people. You would be amazed how difficult it is to get people to be willing. You know, I've spent four years every other Tuesday night, not counting preparation time and all the phone calls that I get on a Friday night, people upset about this or that, or just wanting, you know, advice. So people generally, you know, I'm retired. I knew what I was getting into, and uh, you know, I'm not unhappy with yeah, it. Yeah, that's one it's of asking the, a lot, uh, and uh, you know, unless somebody is young and wants a, you know, a political career, it was a time when you know, like with uh, Bob Lagrimasino and Hoot Bennett and some of the mayors of our town that went on to the board of supervisors and went on to the state and uh, and federal government. Uh, yeah, it's a launching pad, but unless you have that kind of motivation, uh, you know. Yeah, it's a launching it's just pad. One word. Well, how do we how do we cultivate a civic culture that encourages people to roll up their sleeves and get involved? Just a little background, you know that I love that uh, Andrew Carnegie quote about how people should split their life in the thirds the first third they learn everything they can education the second third they make money or they they make their mark in the world or they accumulate resources and then they take their education and their resources and then they give back you know they use their yeah uh, skills and the yeah, money John that D. they've accumulated yeah, to, but John to, uh, you know be and philanthropic and civically were, engaged uh, and so back, forth uh, i love just their the ill-gotten gains like as a means of improving their public image but for whatever the motivation yeah I, the sentiment is good you know give back you know it's one of the yeah, but then you end up with people like me long in the tooth you know gray beard uh you know, coming back, yeah, you really need a. Yeah, but I'm also one of the. Yeah, I'm the you, older you're guy. You're a steady that, hand at the tiller. You know, I think retired, and so I have the time. But if I had the experience and the temperament, my family and running my business and all the things I used to have to do, I couldn't. You know, I mean, I could do it, but I wouldn't do much of a job. So I guess that's why the older generation seems to be inheriting this. It's. The, the younger generation is going to have to realize that they're going to inherit the mess. So they better start getting, you know, educated. Right. Yeah. Better start stepping up, get some skin in the game. Yeah. I just wonder how do we encourage that uh, civic engagement? Like where's the, I used to think of it as like the sports leagues, uh, some of the like city commissions. Well, you know, there, like, there are uh, there, there is uh, a career path to get show themselves to be in, but good again, organizers. They still have to and, generally be you know, get a committed stage in life where they can afford the time and uh, you know put in the effort. I think where civic uh, engagement begins, at least where I got engaged, was in school in yeah. high school. 
where they used to teach citizenship. A good citizen does certain things. I was even teaching at university, and, and that's how I got into the thing, right? What I'm doing now, you may have heard me say this. I would say to my students, you know, in yeah. leadership at the graduate school, I said, you know, there are three things that people in a free society are obligated to do, like the United States. You know, you need to vote. You need to do your jury service. And what was the third one? And you need, and no, and you need to be willing to serve in office because if you're not, somebody else will. Taxes. If you don't like the way they do it, you got to do it yourself or find some like-minded individual that you can support. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So those are the three things you have to do. And right. The hard one is that last one. I mean, jury democracy for, is not a you know, maybe one day or a week. Uh, you know, the voting is just you know get it in the mail and you can do no no problem there but running for office subjecting yourself to being called you know yeah well i got an anonymous letter this week calling me a felon and saying that i was gonna face a prison term because of asking the community to wear masks during the pandemic i mean the guy <laughs> no, it wasn't a ransom note. Was it uh, like it, chopped but, up uh, you know, like letters from a uh, yeah. magazine or something? When I was with the courts, we paper. called them vexatious litigants. You know, people who were sort of sea lawyers. They 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 would well. They, they're people who would go down and read the law and then think they were had a mind like a steel yeah, trap. And then troublemakers. They how come this is going on? I'm going to sue you. Well, anybody can sue anybody, and the filing fee for a lawsuit isn't that much. Uh, so that it becomes their fun. You know, we used to have Carol Dean Williams. Do you remember Carol Dean? He used to, yeah, Carol Dean lived and, down in uh, uh, Casita Springs, and he was a legend throughout the county. He ran for office. I remember the name. Like, was it Kettleston or Kettleman? Yeah, Kettleston. Yeah, right. Right. Jeff Kettleston, yeah, who's come close a few times. Uh, I think he's eventually going to get in. I figure you can have one crackpot per... Yeah. Council, if it's you know five, you can you know one one vote. You got enough of a reasonable well, and majority. Those are a lot of the people like keeping from doing too much mischief. But boy, if you start getting to two of them, oh, man, <laughs> especially if they're opposed to each other. <laughs> so anyway, well, it's like know, wrestling with a pig. Begins you know? at home and the, begins. You can just get dirty, and the pig then, loves it. Hopefully, as a community, you know, like yeah. this Betsy sticks that I support. And, and voted for this time is somebody who's willing to do this. And we have to encourage people to come in rather than say, it's a, you know, everybody talks when you're in office, you talk about wanting to have more people be involved, yeah. but not run against you. You know, <laughs> I don't want them. I don't want them to compete against me. I, I just want to talk about that. And uh, so you have people that are, yeah. are qualified, you know, we should bring them into the fold. And if we don't like them, we should throw them out. Yeah. You know, my, yeah, yeah. My father, who was an old political campaign director in California years back, told me as a That's boy, how, how he said, "My work, son, yes. the genius of our democracy is we throw the scoundrels out before they learn to steal with both hands." And I thought, oh, "Well, how cynical!" <laughs> you, there's a there's a presumption here that I don't think I like, but <laughs> well, there is a history that says it could be true. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting to me because I know a lot of politicians and have a career in journalism, and by and large, sure. they all seem to be very earnest public servants. I haven't seen, you know, a lot of grifters and con men come through 
the local offices and even through Congress. There's a great Booth Tarkington book. I don't remember what it was now. I'm not going to remember. But it was basically, you know, the the process of government and how it's meant and designed and engineered to get the best people into place, or at least the ones who are willing to dedicate themselves most to the common good. And it should screen out those people. But I think that that was whatever, 1910s or 20s. I just think this country's gotten too complicated and too, there's too many sensory inputs going on. And there's, you know, political speeches were like uh, public uh, entertainment. Back in the old days, people, <laughs> well, it doesn't work like that anymore. Or, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Let me take that back. Yeah. My goodness. And, uh, you know, given the, the demagoguery that we're getting crammed down our throats now. It's, oh, it's I've been. Well, anyway. Yeah, well, um, yeah, I've been changing my routes to avoid you. No, I've been great because of the pandemic. One, do not get close to too many people, but to, I've been picking not up trash for six months, and some of my routes are all clean, so I've, <laughs> I've taken on new routes. Yeah. You can find me out on Highway 33 occasionally or down Main Street, uh, where before I used to oh, well, spend my time you. mostly That's, in my own uh, neighborhood. But um, yeah. you know, nobody's safe now that the mayor's retiring and has his little pickup stick in his <laughs> his bag. So yeah. look for me on the street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, litter bugs. Keep an eye out. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for your service. And um, it's been, yeah. been, I look forward to getting back to uh, yeah. hanging out and doing trivia and playing poker and all those other fun things that we used to do that I miss a lot. I mean, I really miss mm -hmm. just hanging out with, mm -hmm. with people and public. I just had a mm -hmm. podcast interview with T.D. Lind. I think you know him, uh, Tim Arlon. His wife's actually working for me now. Yeah. She's great. But uh, he's, you know, in that position of being an entertainer. Well, he, and even as a politician, you know, try, trying disconcerting, to talk to literally disconcerting. And you're lurking really, uh, on your tough, cell tough phone times. videotaping yourself to send a message out to your constituents. It's sort of hard to work up the enthusiasm and the kind of life force that you need when you look out and you see nothing but yourself in a wall. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's no feedback. <laughs> It is. Yeah. Okay. You can't, well, can't read a room. Yeah. You can't read a room or get those yeah, social cues. That's okay. so important. Be around. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Bye. Just thinking out loud. Talking with Johnny got me thinking about politics and its place in American life. At one time, political speeches and rhetoric were important public arts and entertainment. For one example, William Henry Harrison's inauguration in 1841 featured an address running to 8,445 words, which droned down for nearly two hours, by far the longest yet or since. Harrison, a prolific reader and scholar, wrote it himself. It was edited by Senator Daniel Webster, who quipped that in the process of shortening the text, he killed 17 Roman proconsuls. It was cold that day in Washington, D.C., but Harrison decided not to wear an overcoat or gloves. He died 31 days later. Almost certainly mistakenly, it was widely thought that his killer cold came from exposure to the elements. 
but he did not come down with a cold and subsequent pneumonia until more than three weeks after the event. Since then, presidential addresses have been much more mercifully brief. No one claims that giving long speeches can kill you, but why take the chance? Well, that's it for this episode of Ojai Talk of the Town. We'll keep an ear out for you.